The Charlotte Ledger Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Hey, it's Tony Messia with the Charlotte Ledger, and you're listening to the Charlotte Ledger Podcast. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger at thecharlotteledger.com. I'm talking today with D. Odell, the head of business banking sales at U.S. Bank, which is the fifth largest bank in the country. D is based in Charlotte, where U.S. Bank has about 1,200 employees, and his division serves customers with between 2.5 million and 25 million in sales across the country. D, welcome. Tony, it's great to be with you today. Thanks so much for having me on uh, this great podcast. Well, thanks a lot. I'm excited to talk with you today because you have your hand in a lot of different things that are important in Charlotte. You're a leader in the banking industry here, and banking, of course, has been a critical, if not the most important industry in Charlotte over the decades. And you're very involved in civic and charitable life here. Um, you know, you just came off as the chairman of the board of directors of United Way of Greater Charlotte. You've been on the board of the Charlotte Mecklenburg Community Foundation, which is the grant making arm of the Foundation for the Carolinas. You were the co-chair of the Opportunity Task Force, which became Leading on Opportunity, which is the effort to improve economic mobility in Charlotte after Charlotte kind of famously or infamously was ranked last out of 50 cities in economic mobility in a Harvard study about 10 years ago. I mean, I, I could go on. I could do nothing but read your resume for the next 30 minutes. Now, I'm obviously not going to do that. But the point is you're involved in a lot of things that make this community better. And I'd like to discuss some of that a little bit more. And I'd also like to talk with you a little bit about the economy, because in your position at U.S. Bank, you talk with business owners and business leaders all the time, and maybe you have some insights on where things are headed. So a lot to discuss, a lot to unpack, but let's just start with this. How did you wind up in Charlotte? Tony, it's a, uh, a wonderful story. You know, I am what one would describe as an accidental banker. I started in banking early in my career, not knowing exactly what I wanted to do. And it turned out to be a, a great thing for me. And I started in Atlanta and then moved to Chicago. And then in 2002, when Wachovia and First Union were merging, I moved with my wife to Charlotte as a part of that organization and put down roots here in 2002. So now it's been 21 years that we have been in Charlotte. So what was it like back then working at Wachovia, which, you know, predecessor was First Union, its successor is Wells Fargo. Yeah. But what was it like working for Wachovia back then? And what was the banking climate like in Charlotte then? You know, there were, it, it was a, it was a really exciting time because you had, you'd had a number of mergers and acquisitions and the banks were really increasing their capabilities and the investment banking realm to compete with the New York firms. And that was attracting a lot of talent to Charlotte. You had a bit of a race there between Wachovia First Union versus Bank of America for talent here. And those two firms really dominated the landscape for, for hiring people and building out uh, a lot of the capabilities here in Charlotte that were attracting a lot of people to come here. Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot, I think, written about that era when it, there was this sort of rivalry between the nation's bank, Bank of America on the one hand, First Union, Wachovia on the other. And it, it seemed like a different time when, you know, a lot of the leaders of Charlotte could, you know, you could get, if you got the right handful of people in the room, you could make a lot of decisions. It, I don't think it's like that quite as much anymore. I mean, how are things different now when it comes to banking in Charlotte and leadership in Charlotte? It's a, it's a great question. You know, I think what, from my vantage point, what I've seen is that Certainly, from the banking standpoint, there are a lot more organizations, a lot more banks who are here. And so there's a diversity of talent and competition 
which is good for our city as it's continued to expand in the in the banking industry. I think there are more there's certainly more banking and finance jobs now than there were then. And we talk about the then being, you know, before the the, the Great Recession and the downturn in two thousand and eight and nine. I also think that you look around our community today and you see, you know, a much more inclusive and much more diverse leadership group. And you think about you know, the number of different organizations represented on the Charlotte Executive Leadership Council, the CELC. And you think about the number of uh, the nonprofit organizations in our community that have a voice in what's going on and how we are working moving forward. And the final point I'll make is that this partnership between government and private enterprise and philanthropy, I think, is incredibly strong in Charlotte and is one of the things that makes our city so special. Yeah. How has that kind of developed over the years? Has it always been like that? Or have we just sort of seen that strengthen or what's what's been the evolution of that? You know, I guess there have always been some of these, you know, public private partnerships, but it does seem like it's a little more inclusive. It is enveloping a lot more organizations, a lot more voices, maybe. I mean, how do you see that having developed in Charlotte? As it, As Charlotte has grown and become much more diverse and inclusive, I think those decisions are made in rooms that have much greater representation. I think there was an era when it was primarily men and primarily white men who were in those rooms. And I think today it's a much more diverse and inclusive Charlotte that is making those decisions together about how we move forward. Yeah, no, I think you're right. So I think, as you mentioned, we're seeing a lot of that diversity play out in the banking sector. You're seeing a lot of newer banks come here or maybe established banks that didn't have much of a presence here now do. Why is that happening? Why why are there banks here that are coming to Charlotte, you know, and and bulking up their operations? A couple of reasons. Maybe we'll 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 go with two or three reasons here. So one, this is a growing city. It's a growing market. It, it's a growing part of the country. And so as our population grows, that is a very attractive place for organizations that are looking uh, to tap into that growth. The second thing that I would say is that um, this is a great market for talent. You know, one, one of the reasons that U.S. Bank has expanded so much here in the last um, 14 years is that we saw an opportunity for talent. And so lots of jobs that, that U.S. Bank could have filled in various parts of the country, headquarters in Minneapolis or in San Francisco or New York, but there was great talent here in Charlotte. And we're not the only ones to recognize that. Lots of other organizations have recognized that. And so they they establish a foothold here and they're adding lots of jobs because the talent is here. And finally, I would just say that, you know, North Carolina is just a great place to do business. And I think a number of organizations are are seeing that and are attracted to be a part of this economy. Let's focus a little bit on U.S. Bank, because U.S. Bank is one of those that, you know, I know when you started with U.S. Bank in, I think it was 2009, it, it was smaller here than it is today. Uh, what is the thinking on growing U.S. Bank here in Charlotte? And I know you've started opening branches here, I think in 2019, you've got, you've got several now, more on the way. You've now got about 1,200 employees investing in the community, getting involved in a lot of different things. And I should probably mention that U.S. Bank for the last couple of years has been the title sponsor of the Charlotte Ledger's 40 Over 40 Awards, which uh, honor people over the age of 40 who are making a difference here. So we certainly appreciate that. But, you know, there's obviously a lot that U.S. Bank is doing. Why bulk up in Charlotte? 
So similar to the point I was making earlier, there's a talent perspective, there's a growth opportunity here, but let me give you some specifics. So we, U.S. Bank, got to Charlotte originally through an acquisition of a small group in corporate trust from Wachovia in 2005. And that was a small group of people, less than 100 people here, working away in relative obscurity. And then the financial crisis hit and the bank made a decision to expand because the bank was operating from a point of strength in the midst of, of, of weakness across the industry. And so I was recruited to join the bank and open a corporate banking initiative here in the spring of 2009. My friend Jim Killigrew, uh, Stephen Phillipson joined soon after to build out capital markets. And we were the beginning of a big build out here. And over time, we just continued to add more jobs, more specialties here, a number of different things that, that we could do that the talent was here. About four years ago, when we realized we had you know, almost a thousand employees in town and saw this as a great opportunity, as a place for us to expand in the first place that we had ever done branches in a true de novo. And so we began to build branches here before the pandemic and said publicly, you know, eight to 10 branches, really with an idea of, of being digital forward in the way we approach our branches and the, and the way we approach clients and asset light. And so eight to 10 branches would allow us to have a good representation around Charlotte and address the needs of, of uh, customers, a number of U.S. bank customers who had moved to Charlotte, but also being able to draw in new customers because of the unique offering that we had. And it's played out incredibly well for us here. But what was it like building it up from, say, 100 employees or so, you know, 13, 14 years ago to 1,200 yeah. today? And I know it was, a, it was a team effort, but what was that like? How do you assess talent? How do you find talent? What do you look for when you're hiring? What, can you talk a little bit about that process? You know, at the very beginning, it was almost like you had to spell U.S. Bank. You know, it, we were the, the strongest bank that no one had heard of. And when you really begin with, you know, uh, pitching the attributes that we had, we were the, the highest rated bank in the country and we had a very special culture. And I will tell you, those are two things that really have carried us forward. The other piece is selling people on the idea of joining a firm that is in a growth mode to be a part of building something. We talk a lot about the opportunity to come and build and create a legacy because of what we're building. And, and that has resonated with a number of people. And so strength of the bank, strong culture, and the opportunity to come and be a part of building something has really been the foundation of, of our expansion here. What kind of career advice do you have for people you know, who want a career in banking, who want to you know, continue careers in banking? You must have people ask you all the time you know, for nuggets of wisdom about how to succeed in the banking sector. What do you tell them? Having spent 32 years in banking and done a number of different things, a couple of things stand out to me. One, you know, in whatever role that you're in, be curious, be always curious and learning and thinking about things beyond the scope of exactly what your, your day job is. I think that is absolutely critical. And then building the connections, the, the social capital, connecting people and doing that for other people will ultimately lead you into connections with people um, who have wonderful things that you can learn and with whom you can do things in the community. And those can open up doors to other opportunities. I think that's good advice. I mean, a lot of times, you know, you think of relationships that you have or people who operate in a way that's very transactional. And I think that's the opposite of the way people should be sort of 
approaching things. I think it should be more relationship based, uh, you know, interactions with people and not always just looking at, okay, here's what can I get out of this or what, you know, but it's, it's more, if, I think if you build a, a community of people, if you, you know, if you have strong relationships with people, you know, that's, I think, always a plus. And maybe it's not the, the, the it's not the idea necessarily to get ahead, but I think good things happen to people who can, you know, who can kind of navigate, you know, navigate relationships in a lot of different ways and forge a lot of different relationships, right? Is that sort of what you're saying? Yeah, I, I think that's your spot on, Tony. And I think a piece of it is if you begin, if you, if you approach life with the outlook of how can I help other people and, and through that create impact, and eventually, it leads you into connections with people that you otherwise wouldn't have met, and which can potentially open up opportunities. Yeah. You know, it's at U.S. Bank, uh, we we operate seventy-seven thousand employees with one purpose statement. It's what shows up on our computers when we open them up every morning. It says we invest our hearts and minds to power human potential, and we really we really try to live that every day. We are investing everything that we have to power the potential of others, good things are going to happen. And I think the same thing can happen, you know, in a, in a career for someone as well. If you're investing in those around you, then great things are going to happen. I think that's really good advice. It's also a good segue to talk a little bit about the charitable activities and sort of what you've seen on the civic front. What is your understanding of what the needs are in this community and are they being mm -hmm. addressed adequately? Wow, that is a short. Sorry, that's a that's a tough question. one. That's a tough one. I, yeah, that's, that's great because the needs are the needs are immense, and and we as a community have tremendous wealth and opportunities, and they're they're not available. They're not accessible to everyone, and so we see this tremendous growth. We see this inflow of people and jobs in Charlotte. And, and yet there are those in our community who don't have access to that. And so we think about that, the, the ways that we as a community can reach out and make those connections for people who otherwise don't have those. If we can provide those connections and that opportunity, it lifts the overall economy. We're all going to benefit from that. And so I think about the, you know, the great, there's so many great organizations in our community, but focusing on on, on literacy, focusing on mentoring and connecting people to those outside of their zip code. And then a lot of work that is being focused around family stability and housing. And housing is critical. And, you know, it's all across the country, but, but it is just as acute here in Charlotte, where there's just not enough affordable housing. And, and being homeless or, you know, not having stable housing is a big, big issue. And one of the organizations that I've been involved with very significantly, the United Way, has stepped in to lead some of the work that's being done in that realm on a home for all. It really is a public-private partnership to try to come up with long-term solutions on housing people. Yeah, it does seem like in Charlotte, you do have a focus on a lot on, on several different issues. And, you know, the, the corporate community has really gotten behind, I think, some of them. I think about the, you know, the mayor's racial equity initiative. I think about, you know, yep. what you mentioned on housing and homelessness. I think about the, the economic mobility work that's been done. And so there is, you know, I think say what you want about it, whether it's adequate or, I mean, there's always, there are always more needs, of course, but, but there is at least a focus and, and some attention being paid to some of these problems, I think that are out there in the community. And that's, that's gotta be helpful, whether it's, you know, companies writing big checks to 
you know, uh, nonprofits that are on the ground doing the work or, or, just, or getting their employees out to, to help on, you know, uh, volunteer activities. It just seems like that's got to be something that's, that's a real plus, right? Yeah, I think so. And, and, and when we put our minds to something, we get it done. You look at the work that was done on, on early childhood education and the focus collaboration between nonprofits and the county to provide support for universal pre-K and being able to support people there to afford that. So a lot of great work when we focus in. I think one of the things that makes me so optimistic is the work that's being done in our community today is very data-driven. And so there's a tremendous amount of research nationally from think tanks and then locally about what our unique needs are that is driving the engagement we're seeing. And the second thing is, there's a focus today on grassroots organizations that really are representative of the communities that we're trying to serve and giving voice to those grassroots organizations and building the capacity within them to advocate for change in their community so that they get what they uniquely need in each of those communities. And that place-based work that focuses on grassroots organizations and building that capacity is a really critical piece of our future. In your job at U.S. Bank, you're, you go all around the country, you go to a lot of different cities. How does Charlotte, would you say, how does Charlotte stack up against other cities? And I, I realize this is a very Charlotte question. Charlotte is, yeah. I think, compared to what, what part of the answer is, Charlotte, I think, is always concerned about sort of its perception that's out there right. in a way that other cities aren't. I was talking to Sherry Chisholm on this podcast a few months ago, you know, with Leading on Opportunity, and she was saying, why do people keep asking me what I think of Charlotte? She goes, I'm from Detroit. Nobody ever asked me, what do you think of Detroit? Because in Detroit, they just yeah. don't care. They just, they just are. Right. Anyway, I'm, I'm kind of getting ahead of the, the answer here, but how does Charlotte, do you think, compare, when you look at Charlotte, just on whatever measure, how does Charlotte compare to other cities? We are a bit obsessed with how we compare, aren't we? And, and, when, and I think part of what drove the focus after the Chetty report in 2013 was the fact that we were 50th out of 50, right? How could this be? If we had been 47th, I don't know that it would have made the same headline. 50th out of 50 sounded horrible. And, you know, when you go and you dig into some of that data, what separates us from those that are ranked just above or just below us is not much. And, and so the problems that we are wrestling with in Charlotte are large part problems that, that cities around the country are wrestling with. We have nuances here in Charlotte that are different. I think what, what I would tell you from my travel around the country is that in Charlotte, we have been willing to, to, to name the issues, to talk about the issues, to bring together groups to really focus on solutions to the issues. And I go back to my comment earlier, the public-private partnerships here are a unique aspect for us in Charlotte that don't exist in other places. There is a, there's a willingness to work between city and county governments and and the the larger corporations who are here and the nonprofits and the foundations and philanthropy that I don't know that I'm pretty sure doesn't exist everywhere else. And that's a unique thing that we can it's a unique strength that we can draw from. Well I'd like to talk a little bit about the economy. That's sort of a good launching off place to talk about the economy. One of the things about Charlotte, you know, you have a lot of people moving here. I think as as you mentioned, people see it as a as a growing city. People want to be here. They want to they want to work here. They want to contribute here. You know, as you travel around the country and you talk to business owners, you know, what are you hearing 
from them. You know, it's always great talking to people in the banking industry because you have such a wide range of people you talk to. And I think it's it's an opportunity to sort of hear, okay, where is the economy heading? Everybody wants to know, where's it going? Where's it going? Are we going into a recession? What's going to happen? What are you hearing from U.S. bank customers about, you know, their optimism about the future, how their businesses are doing? Where do you think the economy is headed? So I spend most of my time with companies that have sales of less than $25 million a year. Smaller companies are the backbone of our economy across the country. They create more than half of the jobs in the economy. And the businesses that I've talked to, and frankly, we just, we just did a, a wonderful survey of, of businesses, nine out of 10 are optimistic. They define their business as successful. You know, they are uh, optimistic about the future. They're stressed, you know, with a combination of capital and competitors and supply chain issues. And, you know, more recently, the continuing challenge of finding enough qualified people to hire. And yet in the midst of those stresses, they really are optimistic. I mean, you look across it. When I look across the economy today, I, I see the reality of the economy as being very different from the headlines. And I think we can get a bit pessimistic about inflation and other bigger issues. When in fact, the economy is very strong right now. This you know, sustained low unemployment rate is, is really quite amazing. And I think there's a consensus building that the Fed is you know, either at the top or nearing the top of the tightening cycle. And the question then is, you know, how long do rates stay high before they start coming back down? But the likely trajectory is a, is a decrease in the future and, and not an increase. And the businesses that we work with are finding a way to get it done every day. And one of the things that we're trying to do is to help them do that more efficiently. So we are, you know, you think about banks, you think primarily about, you know, lending or deposits. There's a whole other piece of what banks do is to provide operating efficiencies for companies and to really help them understand how they can run their businesses in the most efficient way. And we're finding companies quite open to those conversations because they want to grow but they want to be as efficient as they can, and they need partners to help them do that. So how do banks help them do that? And I think there has been a little bit of a shift, or maybe it hasn't totally taken over the public consciousness yet, but it's like that a bank is somewhere you go and you need a loan and they give you the money and you do your thing. But I think there's this transition more towards sort of a relationship and building that relationship and helping, not just being, not just saying, here's the money, go do your thing, but being more of a, of a partner. Is that... Is that accurate? And what is U.S. Bank doing on that? It's very accurate. When we think about businesses, accessing capital to expand is just one piece of what they're doing. They are every day, every week, they are thinking about how am I, how am I buying the supplies that I need? How am I paying my employees? How am I managing all of the expenses? How am I getting paid by my customers in the most efficient way? How does that work, whether I'm on a website or in person in a store? And one of the things that U.S. Bank and, and other financial institutions can do is to sit down with companies and, and help them map out the entire process of how they are getting paid, how they are paying their vendors, um, how, do, how do all of those monies move in and out, and then create the right sort of um, cash flow projection model to really help them understand what they need, and then how to be the most efficient and save money or 
you know, get rewards and different ways that they are using their different products for that working capital cycle. So that's a that's a big piece of how we're providing advice and counsel. You know, some companies who are buying from or selling overseas, there's a foreign currency fluctuation that leads to a different conversation as well about how do you how do you hedge in the right sort of way on foreign currencies. So there, it all depends upon the company. And honestly, it begins with having a, a banking partner who's willing to invest the time to really understand the business. When we can go in and ask a, a business owner to tell us about their business and tell us their dreams for the future, where do they want to go with the business? We can get a good sense of their vision for where they want to be, help, under, help them understand where they are today, and then close that gap. Great. Anything else I didn't ask you about you think is important to know? We've covered a lot of ground here, Tony. This, is, uh, this has been fantastic. Well, great. Well, thanks for joining me. Okay, that's a wrap. To our listeners, thank you for listening. The Charlotte Ledger Podcast is produced by Lindsay Banks. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com.